This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good Saturday morning to you. I am joined by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney on this Smart Garden Show this morning. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Danny. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for asking. I hope you are as well. We, uh, I am. We, we have moved up. It's really warmed up to four above. How it's about them? Above zero. Above zero. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. It's above zero, <laughs> and we have been at the minus for a while. But it, it, it is. Uh, it's going to be warming up as we just heard that forecast. So it looks uh, looks mighty fine. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question. Uh, this is who you want to chat with, call or text, as a matter of fact. It's the same number, 651-461-9226. And if you're uh, a regular listener to the show, you know we tend to get really busy. So don't wait. We'd love to connect with you if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question. Yes, we do. We talk lawns at 4 above 0 uh, mm-hmm. on a February 5th day. So uh, by we all means. We talk lawns if it's 40 below 0. We We talk lawns. People love to talk lawns and gardens at the year round. It makes no difference, uh, and of course we'll uh, we'll find out what's happening at the arboretum, like we always talk about, and among other things, uh, as we move through this uh, smart garden show on this Saturday. By the way, if you're new to the show, thanks for checking it out. Uh, we are here every Saturday, in the eight o'clock hour. Thanks to good people like Teresa Rooney for helping you out each and every uh, Saturday. So call or text 651-461-9226. Teresa, not only what are you doing this time of year for uh, gardening issues, but what what are folks doing now? I mean, they can read seed catalogs, right? Uh, is there anything else yes. to do here? Read your seed catalogs, get your seeds ordered, um, especially if you have favorite seeds and you don't want to be disappointed if the if the seed companies run out so get your seed catalogs it's too early to start most of the seeds so what you want to do is if you're going to start seeds you want to figure out when your last frost date is and when you can put those seeds those plants in the ground and then figure out reading the seed packets okay if it says so after the it takes you know 14 days to germinate and then you want to you want it's too early now because you don't want tall lanky plants so you have to kind of figure out do some math it's really simple math figure out when to plant those seeds you don't want to plant them too early you don't want to plant them too late but yes look at your seed catalogs go outside when it gets a little warmer make sure your plants are okay and by that i mean that they're not being nibbled by the deer and the mice and the bunnies, if they are being nibbled, then put some fencing around to protect them and make a mental note next year to put the fencing up earlier. 
uh, you also want to think about what kind of plants do I want to grow um, in the spring, in the summer, what veggies might I want to grow. Um, the uh, university website has some great uh, best suggestions for new seeds that are coming out, new annuals. So there's a great article on that because they've done some seed trials and they can give you some great ideas for brand new seeds. And then also a lot of your different, um, the, the Landscape Arboretum, Northern Gardener, even um, Master Gardeners will be starting to present some um, uh, growing classes, uh, classes that you can take over the Internet about how to grow plants, how to start seeds. So check out your Master Gardener website, see if they have any classes coming up. I know Hennepin County will be having some veggie growing classes. We haven't set it up yet. Well, we've got it set up. We don't have the registration open yet. So you just have to kind of watch for that. Um, and the Arboretum has some good classes. And just, just kind of go into what, looking at pretty flowers and learning about plants. And it's a good idea. Dreaming about warmer days. You know, I mentioned this on the show a week or two ago, Teresa, that uh, we're, we were thinking because we're kind of rearranging our backyard that, mm-hmm. the deer, that the deer have destroyed. But uh, the... Uh, <laughs> when you plant those deer salads, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't even like venison. But anyway, there's another story. Um, we were thinking if about... If you soak uh, it in milk a little bit, it takes out a lot of the gamey taste. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> the big game gardener. Um, yeah. I, uh, we were talking about here at home about uh, starting a, a, something we've never done before is a raised garden bed. What, oh, what would you? Is that good? Is that a good idea? That's a great idea. Um, It depends on how tall you want to make your raised bed. Some raised beds can be so tall that they can prevent bunnies from getting in, especially if you add a little fencing in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But the raised garden beds are really good. You can control the soil that's in there because you add the soil. So if you have a heavy clay soil, a really light sandy soil, a really um, acidic soil, or really alkaline soil, you can control the pH, you control what's in the soil. The raised beds warm up a little faster in the summer, in the springtime. They do get a little drier in the summer, so you have to consider you might have to do some watering. Um, and they're they're just kind of a nice way to to separate the the garden bed from the from the rest of the yard, and just gives you a little bit more topography in your yard. And if they're tall enough, it may help with those aching backs and knees, so you don't have to bend over quite so far. Yeah, that's a good idea. Plus, it's less yeah. lawn to mow. It's yeah. you know that's always a wonderful thing, and you know yeah. if with the lawn, even if you don't want to to put in a raised bed, you can expand some of the uh, gardens around your your shrubs just by adding a little uh, extra, maybe a foot or two or three um, wide mulch, not high, but just wide, and that will give your your bed a little a little more stature in the yard and let you mow a little less grass. Very good. All right. Good idea. Good tips. All right. We have callers. We have texters, Teresa. So let's get back to it. I think Jack calling in from Stillwater this morning. Uh, Jack, good morning. You're on CCO with Teresa. Good morning. Morning. Uh, my question has to. Oh, go ahead. No, that's uh, we're waiting for you. Okay. My my question has to do with um, uh, an area where I, we have a lot of oak wilt uh, north of Stillwater. And uh, I understand oak wilt, but I, I'm winding up with a little bit of a clearing because we've lost a few oak trees. And it's on a slope where, where my uh, uh, kind of lot borders uh, an oak forest. And I don't mind losing some because I, I need a clearing for a small tool shed. But now as I pull out buckthorn, I'm winding up with just um, ground. 
dumb because I, I need a clearing for a small tool shed. But now as I pull out buckthorn, I'm winding up with just um, ground and, and no kind of ground cover. There's some wild grass that, that uh, you know, I've seen in, in oak savannas before. I'm wondering what I can plant or put on the ground that's, that's uh, some sort of grass other than lawn seed, um, just so I don't get erosion because I'm on a slope as well. Okay. What kind of a sun exposure do you have, Jack? Yeah, it's a it's a um, southwest facing hill, but there's still a okay. lot of mature oak trees, so it's you know it doesn't get mm-hmm. direct sun all day. Sure. So there are some some things you can add in there. You could do some of the lomo nomo ground mixes. They'll be mostly fescues. That could be an option for you. Fescue. It doesn't need a lot of fertilizing. It doesn't need a real rich soil. It it can take a little bit shade. You could also try planting Pennsylvania sedge, which is some of the sedges that looks like grass that you may see in some low, um, some dappled sun forest. So you may be able, you may consider that. And then some nice ground covers would work too if you don't want to have to mow it at all. Uh, you know, the the creeping ginger and phloxes and bee lawns could be a really good suggestion. Some of the some of the um, the components of bee lawns, clover and thing like that. Something to hold that soil. Um, that would be a really good idea. Okay. Good, good luck thanks. with your slope, Jack. Good luck and thanks for thinking about that because you don't want bare soil. Bare soil is not a good thing. Good point. Thanks, Jack. Uh, We're going to take a break, but I want to alert Wendy. You're going to be next up on the phone, and we have some texters as well. Either way, if you want to call in or text in your garden question, just one number to remember, 651-461-9226. Your question for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. This morning here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. It's four above. Had a good Saturday morning to you. This is the 5th of February. Denny Long along with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney on our Smart Garden Show. Uh, waiting for your call or text to your lawn or garden type of question. Here is the number for either 651-461-9226. Teresa, we uh, promised Wendy she'd be first up here before we uh, grab some text messages. Wendy's calling in from Robbinsdale, I think. Hi, Wendy. What's your question for Teresa? Hey, Good morning. So I recently purchased a home in Hastings, and the soil in Hastings is very different than Robbinsdale. Um, on, on the Hastings home, on the south side of the house, there's um, a lot of shade. And I can see from the prior owner, they had a lot of trouble growing lawn there. So I would like a suggestion as to how to maybe revitalize the soil, maybe put something in that will be lawn-like. I don't necessarily need a homogenous grass there. It could be anything that will grow in the shade. Okay, and what kind of soil do you have there, Wendy? Is it it sandy or is is it clay down there in Hastings? It's it's sandy. It's very different. And it's it's kind of a powdery sand. So if I dig in the ground, it'll be sand. The top layer is very powdery. So I thought maybe I need to bring in a lot of topsoil first. Okay, you could bring in, um, and congratulations on your new home, you could bring in topsoil or just add a lot of compost. Remember, whenever you're adding soil near the house, to always slope the grade away from the house so you don't bring water into your house. That's the most important thing before you put in any plants or anything. Make sure the soil slopes away from the house. Um, and what you might want to try there again is some, some uh, fescue. 
that would work really well in part shade. Uh, shade and grass don't go together. If it's a very damp area, you may want to try some sedges. Again, Pennsylvania sedge, some of the other, other sedges could be a pretty mosaic of sedges, especially if it's a little damp and they can take some shade. They look very grass-like and could be a beautiful a beautiful um, complement to your home. You know, complementing maybe with a forest garden, you could consider adding, you know, hostas and and beautiful uh, geraniums that grow in the shade and perennials and just kind of cut down some of the grassy area, make it still green, still just low maintenance, and that would be very pretty for you. And I hope that helps. Good luck, Wendy. Very good. Again, 651-461-9226. One question is, Teresa, can we save an amaryllis bulb after it's bloomed? Oh, certainly. If you can, just give it the best light you possibly can. Let it keep growing as long in the house, in the house as you possibly can. Um, if it's actively growing, you can fertilize. You can also set that plant outside in its pot during the summertime. It'll send up beautiful leaves. Those leaves are actually what is going to add to the flower's energy for next year. So if you cut off all the leaves now, and take every energy-producing thing away from the plant, next year you will probably not have any flower at all because there's just no energy in there. So you want to give it as much light. Let those leaves photosynthesize as much as they can, build up that that bulb as much as it can. So next year when you you want it to flower, it brings up a beautiful flower. But, yes, you can definitely save the um, amaryllis. Go to the extension.umn.edu website, and you can click on the Yard and Garden line, go to Houseplants, and there's a great article on amaryllis, how to care for it. Good luck with your amaryllis. Uh, Teresa, I wonder if the, uh, the in this uh, text, this question is a good, uh, good one to research at the website as well. Uh, recommendations for large and cherry tomatoes. Does the website have information on that, on those? The, the website would have some information on tomatoes, yes. And also your favorite seed catalog will have information on tomatoes, uh, you know, which ones you prefer, which ones are really good. You can look at some some heirloom varieties in some of the catalogs uh, online. Also, but yes, do go to the web, to the extension website and look at some some information on the tomatoes. Tomatoes are one of the favorite crops everybody grows, so there's a lot of information out there. Speaking of crops, I almost said, is there going to be a new crop of master gardeners coming down the pipe now? <laughs> yes, I... and we're, we are fertilizing them, so to speak, as, as we are talking. Um, they're actually taking classes right now online. So the new crop of master gardeners is, has, been, has been planted. They are germinating right now. And um, they are starting to photosynthesize and grab energy or <laughs> or uh, nutrition and knowledge from the um, from the internet, learning how to to think and how to ask questions and where they can get information to help the people in their neighborhoods with any of their gardening questions with research science based researched information. Uh, so that's yes, they are. We are growing a new crop of master gardeners for you out there. Are there more gentlemen getting involved in the becoming master gardeners versus women? There are. There, are, there's quite a few. It's getting more and more balanced. I see um, mm-hmm. a lot of younger people are doing that. And I was just thinking this morning that one of the reasons we may be seeing a lot of younger people is because 
we're resorting now to more technology. So a lot of our classes are online and sometimes older folks just, you know, we're just not going to do the websites. We're just not going to do that. But young people, that's, that's second nature for them. And I'm putting myself in the old folks category, I guess, by saying young people, but yeah. uh, So we are getting, we are getting great people. They're really, they are so smart. It, it just it boggles your mind how smart they are and how much they and how passionate they are about gardening and and it's just so wonderful to see that their their gardening passions are just amazing yeah yeah it's, it's also amazing. good to hear that uh, younger folks uh, whether it's uh, technology bringing them in or not that's uh, that's mm-hmm. great to hear and All i right. think the technology actually helps because so many of them are raising families and everything so it gives well, them a, a little point. bit of more time mm-hmm. yep yeah good point uh, question regarding farmer's manure. We like to put it on our garden every year. Texter says, is that too often? Should it be every other year is the question. Okay. Two two things I want to say here first. Make sure that you never put fresh manure on your fields, on your gardens, unless you're willing to let it rot, say, over the winter. Uh, it's Otherwise, it's going to be too strong and it'll burn it. Um, cow manure will be better processed, have less weed seeds. Horse manure will be full of weed seeds. So you will be bringing that in. If you're worried about putting too much fertilizer on, please get a soil test. For the garden, you can get the soil test information through the university, uh, extension.umn.edu. Get a soil test and see, do you need to do that? It really depends on what your soil is doing, how heavy your soil is. If it's really sandy, you may need to do it. If it's really clayey, um, that may or may not be helping. You may or may not be needing it. If your plants are, are very, like, prairie plants they don't need a rich organic soil so they you'll be overfeeding them but vegetables you they need a lot of food so you really have to get a soil test done to to see what's going on with your fertilizing in the in the soil that would be the best thing to do very good uh, Teresa, let's take a break let's have a look at that forecast if you uh, have a lawn or garden question we have just about another half hour of the show to go so don't wait call in or text in your question for Teresa. 651 651- Four six one nine two two six. We'll have a look at that forecast for the Twin Cities coming along here on News Talk eight three zero. This is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to good folks helping you out, like Master Gardener Teresa Rooney is hosting this morning. If you have a uh, lawn and garden question, call it in or text it in. Very easy to do. Just one number to remember, 651-461-9226. I'm going to grab some text messages here in a uh, in a moment or two, Teresa, but let's talk a little bit. We always like to bring up, especially folks who maybe have never been there, and that is the University of Minnesota Landscape Arboretum, or the ARB, as we call it. Uh, what's going on there? I mean, year-round there are things going on. <laughs> year-round. It's amazing because an arboretum is a place to showcase trees and plants. And so you can go out there in the summer, spring, summer, and fall and see what, or in the winter, and see what the trees and plants look like at that time of year. Get some ideas for planting. Um, you can ski the trails. You can ski 
ski. You can um, snowshoe. There's all kinds of fun things to do in the winter. They have maple syruping coming up. But right now they have the spring flower show going on. And I saw some pictures on TV last night, and I think I'm going to move to the Arboretum for the rest of the month because those <laughs> pictures look so comfy um, with chairs, with plants, and Oh, my gosh, I just wanted to move right in. But, um, yes, yeah, so go out to the Arboretum. It's, you will be inside it for this, so you won't have to be outside. I believe you do have to follow the COVID restrictions, so, so read, the, read the instructions, you know, test, vaccinations, whatever. So, so, and you do need a reservation. Get out there. But it's absolutely gorgeous, some of the things they have going on, the spring flowers. So um, ways to bring plants into your life in the middle of winter, and just smell some greenery and some humidity and just learn about plants. And there's a beautiful Reedy art gallery. There's fun things going on in the cafe. So there's all different fun things going on. They have a great uh, a great store out there with a lot of gardening books and a lot of gardening um, accoutrements, if that's the correct word. Um, just wonderful things at the Arboretum. It's, it's a gem. It's just a gem. And they do so much research out at the Arb on grapes and plants and, and uh, trees and shrubs and, and apple trees. And it's just amazing what, what is going on at the Arboretum. So it really is. Yeah. And it's uh, easy to find, but you mentioned it, Teresa, you have to uh, make uh, reservations online Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you can check it out, but uh, do get there. It's right. Weston highway five and 41. Go, Easy to the, to find. go to the website to get all the information, uh, Landscape Arboretum in Chanhassen. It's easy to get to a wonderful place, and do visit it. Bring your friends and family when they come oh, into yeah. town. It's a great trip, yeah. And easy to find, like you said. All right, uh, 651-461-9226 for your lawn or garden question for Teresa. Here's one of them. Can we cut back small shrubs next week? Must be thinking about that uh, warm-up. Uh, that warm, that and I loved your forecast, it When I heard 41, I just about giggled. Okay, <laughs> yes, yes, you can be cutting back your shrubs, your trees, doing some pruning now on your trees and shrubs. Uh, there's no insect diseases out there, no insects bringing diseases. There's no fungus flying around, so it's a great time to do that. Remember, not all shrubs should be cut down, though. Uh, your your spring-blooming shrubs, your azaleas, rhododendrons, uh uh, things that bloom in the spring, magnolias, all of those plants that bloom in the spring, lilacs, they already have their buds set. You go out to those plants, you'll see those buds there. Those are your flower buds. You do some trimming, you're cutting those off. If you don't care, that's okay. It's up to you. But yes, now is a great time to be pruning some of those trees and shrubs. Um, we've gotten past most of the harsh, cold winter, so now's a good time to do that. Okay. You'll have to help me with this one. Uh, I bought, Texture says, a flowering, is it a bromeliad? Mm-hmm, bromeliad. Mm-hmm. All right. You did to, very good, Denny. You're going to learn that? your Latin amazing, my, Denny. My, well, I only took two years, so I've got to catch oh. up. Uh, here's one. It says, uh, they, I bought a flowering bromeliad to represent a dear friend that died. Uh, oh, the, mo- the mother plant died. I transplanted, mm-hmm. Texture says, three babies from this plant. How best can I care for these young ones? Good question. Okay. So those are actually called pups, like puppies, pups. Um, and, yes, just uh, bright light. Bromeliads um, can do some moderately bright light. Again, you can go to the uh, Extension website, extension.umn.edu. I believe bromeliads like to be watered. They have uh, leaves that have a cup in the top, and you fill that cup of leaves with water. And in the rainforest, actually, there'll be entire ecosystems living in that little cup. 
there could be frogs or little toe or little um, insects living in that cup that actually live in that little cup of water up there. And that's how the plant gets nutrition. Uh, but yes, so you have little pups growing and that's wonderful. And just give them the moderately bright light and water that cup and you should be just fine. All right. Here's one, another one for you, Teresa. My Christmas uh, Christmas cactus had several buds that did not open when the majority of the buds opened. I now have two flowers and about six more buds that will f- uh, flower. Is this typical, or did I do something inadvertently to cause this to happen? It, it's probably not. It's probably just those though that part of the plant maybe just didn't get enough light, just didn't get enough cool. It's just different timing on that part of the plant. You probably didn't do anything wrong, so to speak. Um, It's just extending your flower season, which is really lucky. Maybe your plant really loves you. Okay, that's not scientific. Um, But but I would just say just keep doing what you're doing because you've actually extended the flowering season. And it's just some buds maybe just didn't get enough um, energy to open earlier, and now they're finally opening um, after the other buds have stopped. Other than that, I really don't know why it would have been so sporadic like that. Okay. This listener, Teresa, says, I live in a townhouse association. They requested a, quote, hard trim on the bushes this fall from the landscape company. They took the beautiful burning bushes down to less than 12 inches. It was oh. quite it was quite devastating, Texture says. Will they come back this spring and be a real bush again in my lifetime? Thank you for that. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Uh Usually the burning bush has one or two main stems and it just sprouts from there. They will, they hopefully will come back if they have a good strong root system. Just make sure if we grow droughty that you do keep watering them. Uh, give them a little extra TLC. Try not to let anybody else do any pruning on them. Um, and it's just unfortunate that that's how they were pruned. But um, yeah, that's just unfortunate. And and maybe if you can, maybe talk to the association, and I know this is shouting into the wind, uh, just talk to the association, letting them know that some plants need to be trimmed differently and that a hard trim isn't really good for these plants and, and that, you know, just, just trimming for height and width is better than cutting them way back. They don't do the renewal pruning as well as some other plants do. But okay. that's another story. Here is our number. It's either phone or text for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, 651-461-9226. What is the best way to resolve? We get this from time to time. Best way to resolve severely bumpy lawn is it due to worms? What do I use? Insecticides? Texter wants to know. We get that a lot. We do get that a lot. And you don't want to just use insecticides willy-nilly. It's really not good because there's a whole ecosystem in your yard. Uh, What you can do is uh, do a, um, oh my gosh, my brain just went dead there. Uh, where you take out cores, aeration, Aeration, you want to do a coration. Yeah, Yeah, I hate when the, no no breakfast yet, so that's what I'm going to blame it on today. (laughs) Um, So so you would like to aerate your lawn. That will release some of the tension in your lawn. That will really help. Rather than rolling it, which would make it flat, but makes more compaction. And so if you can do some aeration in your lawn, let the grass roots grow a little deeper, let the grass grow a little higher. Um, Bumpy lawns can be very dangerous, especially if you're mowing or walking. You can, you know, you can spend, you know, hurt your ankles and 
fall, and you don't want that to happen. Uh, so I would start with aeration. And again, go to the Extension website, extension.uman.edu under lawn care. We do have some more information on bumpy lawns there. Yeah, because overall, uh, are not earthworms good for the soil? I mean, don't they kind of do their own aeration? They they do their own aeration. Um, and so what you might be seeing is some of the mounds when they come up, the, the night crawlers when they come up. Sometimes those are the mounds that you're seeing, and they just kind of harden. Uh, and it's just, you know, the lawn gets compacted and really hardened, and you want that lawn to be a little softer, a little gentler for the plants to grow. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, earth earthworms and and you know the the what we have in our lawns. We want that ecosystem as wide ranging and as full as we possibly can, so it has a good relationship and can grow a good healthy grass for us. Excellent, Teresa. Let's take a break. We have more show to come. If you have a lawn or garden type of question this morning, call it in or text it in six five one four six one nine two two six four above zero in the Twin Cities. We're heading for around twenty three. Or so today. Could see a little blowing snow, but warmer weather on the way here. We'll uh, keep you informed on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour here on CCO. Welcoming your phone calls or text messages this morning for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Again, the number is 651-461-9226. Teresa, Gary, I think, is first up here calling in from St. Louis Park, I believe. Gary, thank you. What's your question for Teresa? Hi. Good morning, Denny. Good morning, Teresa. Morning. You were talking about um, it being a good time to do some pruning of shrubs. Mm-hmm. Would that include my the, the two big yews that I have in front of my house, those evergreens? Can I prune those at this time of the year as well? Gary, that's an excellent point. Thank you for bringing that up. That's an excellent question. Now is not a really super good time to be pruning your evergreens. Thank you, Gary, for helping me clarify that and reminding me of that. Wait till your evergreens show some new growth, and that's the best time to start trimming them. If there's one big branch that's in the way or something's gotten a little goofy looking, you can do a moderate trim, just one branch or two if it's in the way of the, of the I was going to say lawnmower, of the snowblower. Um, but, but yes, that's thank you, Gary. Don't be trimming your evergreens now. Wait until spring and when okay. they start growing again. I have deer in my yard to do that for me. Thank you very much. Isn't that nice uh, of them? Oh, yes. Yeah, and yeah. bunnies do an excellent job of trimming. Mm-hmm. Too. They make such a wonderful, sharp, clean, forty-five degree cut, whereas deer kind of rip things off. And they yeah. don't. And they don't. And they don't pay rent either. Okay. And they don't um, pay rent. No, they don't help with the taxes or anything. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we have moved. We have moved into their territory. I guess. Though, I well, think. that's true. That's yeah. true. And we provide a wonderful um, predator-free environment for them. So there you go. And a salad bar for them. What 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 do you expect? I know. Perfect. All right. Here's one. It says, I have a Colorado blue spruce, two other kinds of evergreen in my yard. Over the last year or two, the inside is becoming more bare and probably only about three feet on the ends of the branches are green with needles. Is there anything I can do to bring them back? I'm afraid I'm going to lose them uh, over the next several years. They are probably about 30 years old. 
Okay. Uh, Colorado blue spruce are a wonderful plant. They are original to Colorado, which is a cold, can be a cold climate in the winter, but it is a dry summer. We have humid summers so and hot summers like Colorado, but they're humid. So there's a lot of diseases that Colorado blue spruce can get. So a 30-year-old Colorado blue spruce is a very ancient Colorado blue spruce in Minnesota. So your plant is doing well. Normally, the thicker the outside of the tree or the shrub, the less light can get into the center of the plant, so those needles fall off. Also, needles have a limited life, anywhere between three to seven years. So each needle only lives three to seven years, and then it falls off. There's no more light in the center of the plant. Those growing points can't be activated, and they won't produce new plants. So lots of times the Colorado blue spruce are really thick on the outside, hollow on the inside. That's totally normal for them. It's how we've grown them. It's how we've sheared them. It's how we've pruned them that we've caused this thing to happen. So whether or not putting light back into those plants by opening up some of the outside would activate those growing points, I don't know. But just understand your Colorado blue spruce is is on its last leg, so to speak, anyway. I would just keep it as healthy as you possibly can. Don't worry about the inner parts. If you go to any pine forest, any any evergreen forest, and you look up, you will see that most of the trees only have the needles on the outside part of the plant. They don't have needles on the inside. Those are bare. The trees are bare inside. That's just how, how evergreens usually grow. Okay. Let's uh, grab a phone call before we run out of time, Teresa. Mike, I think, is calling in from Columbia Heights this morning. Mike, what is your question for Teresa? Good morning. Um, I'm going to plant some flower seeds inside. When's the best time to do that? Okay, that's a good question, Mike. Planting flower seeds inside. Uh, so you want to want to make sure that you can transplant those outside. That they're okay for transplanting. Some things you have to sow in place, but most flower seeds you can. And it will tell you to plant in, to sow inside, and it will say on the seed packet, sow inside four to six weeks before planting outside or before the last frost date. It'll give you that kind of idea. So read the seed packet. It will tell you because each seed takes so long to germinate, then you want it to get so big, and then you can plant it outside after the last frost or if it's really temperature sensitive once the ground really warms up. Uh, so that'll be in middle of May to the end of May into June. Do you want? Don't want to have really tall, straggly seedlings. You want to have nice, short, compact seedlings. So don't plant too early. Read the seed packet. Um, if you have further questions, if you know what what seeds they are, and the seed packet isn't telling you the right information, you can always go to extension.umn.edu and click on the Ask a Master Gardener, and you can say, "I am going to plant seeds." whatever seeds they are, seeds, you know, one, two, three different kinds of flowers. Um, when should I start transplanting or when should I plant those seeds so that they can germinate in the house? And in the house, they're going to need light to germinate and they're going to need warm temperatures and water. Good luck, okay. Mike. Here's uh, one, Teresa. It says, are there any tricks to start nasturiums indoors from seeds? There are some tricks to start nasturtiums inside. So um, these are a wonderful annual plant for us. Sometimes they can reseed. Uh, they're also an edible plant, so you can eat the leaves and the flowers. They uh, have a little peppery taste, and they are wonderful in salads and sandwiches. 
that's your culinary tip for the day. But growing tip, you can start those seeds, um, leave them soak overnight in water. They have a really heavy seed coat. And if you're trying to start a seed with a heavy seed coat, sometimes soaking it in water, the water is actually what breaks that seed coat and wakes up the seed to germinate. So soak them overnight, plant them. And when you transplant them outside, don't disturb the, the roots at all if you can. They hate being moved. Um, so, so transplant them and be very careful when you do transplant them outside. And good luck with your nasturtiums. They're great in pots. They can trail. They can climb. Um, they're wonderful. They attract insects. And uh, if you need a trap crop for flea beetles, nasturtiums is really great for a trap crop. Um, more than we, you wanted to know about nasturtiums. That's okay. That's more is better. Uh, rabbits, evidently, bunnies have been eating branches around the base of a hydrangea shrubs. Texture says, should I prune the shrubs low in spring or leave them alone with the misshapen hydrangeas? Uh, go ahead and prune them as you wish. Um, if you need to, if you need to knock them back, uh, make sure that the pruning is taking place on hydrangeas that flower on new wood because then you'll get the new wood and then you'll get some growth. If your hydrangea grows uh, flowers on old wood, you'll be cutting off flowers that have already set their buds just like the magnolias and azaleas that we mentioned earlier on in the program. So figure out which hydrangea it is. And then next year, remember to... Um, to protect the hydrangeas a little bit from the bunnies because they can be quite voracious. Two minutes and to they, go in the they show. They don't have a designer's eye for pruning. Yeah, <laughs> they just don't. Now, we mentioned this last week because you weren't on, but I know I used, you still have chickens? I don't have chickens, but I did hear this. And Creeping Charlie, I, I yeah, heard is, the question. Do you think that's um, true? The, the question is, for those that missed it, uh, please clarify, a friend has said that having chickens roaming free will eradicate Creeping Charlie. What do you think? Um, it's it's a possibility, and I think part of what happens is the chickens will um, scratch the Creeping Charlie. I don't think they're going to eat it as much, but they'll scratch up the Creeping, creeping Charlie and leave that dead stuff on the soil so then it won't re-root. Re, re, um, re, re uh, so I think chickens, they can they can make a soil nice and bare in no time if you leave them around. But yeah, so go ahead. If you have chickens, they can help with the creeping Charlie. Uh, they'll also do a lot of damage to other plants too, if you just let them in the garden. So you do have to watch them and, and take care of them. But I was thinking that maybe the person was going to feed creeping, creeping Charlie to their, I wouldn't ah, do that. Um, no you know, chickens are pretty smart. They'll only eat what they're supposed to eat. They're, they're not, I mean, they're kind of chicken brained, but they're kind of smart too. Um, but yeah, with all the scratching they'll do for the bugs and, and the seeds and everything. They'll be eating a lot of bugs and seeds. They're extremely wonderful for that. Teresa, thank you. We have to run. It's always a pleasure. Let's do this again when you have the time, please. Huh? I will. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener. Yeah, get on the, the web if you have yet to check out the university website. So much information on there. Extension.umn.edu. Again, extension.umn.edu. A lot of winter and summertime reading, for that matter, as well. Get those home improvement questions ready. Andy Lindis from Lindis Construction will be uh, helping us out uh, next hour. What are we looking at weather-wise? Maybe uh, some blowing snow today. Highs around 23 right now here in the Twin Cities overcast. It's 4 degrees above zero. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 